0: Welcome back to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast and uh, the post-draft edition. By now you know that we're from a remote location as we continue to practice social distancing and the battle against COVID-19. Uh, I'm Grant Covey and my co-host Sam Thillman is on the phone as usual. Sam, uh, how's things hanging down in Franklin, Indiana?
1: Uh, Franklin, Indiana is going great just hanging on through this COVID-19 and, you know, just chilling. Yeah, we got our first
0: taste of live sports uh, last weekend or it's last weekend uh, for us now recording might be a couple weekends by the time you guys are listening to this. But nevertheless, the Colts draft. It is currently Monday, the 27th, and the Colts wrapped up the draft um, earlier this weekend on Saturday uh, with rounds uh five or six and seven uh commending on saturday i don't don't really know how it all worked i think they all ended on saturday i don't really after the first round sam i gotta be honest only picks i'm paying attention to are the colts uh because it's kind of hard to to follow everybody and and watch seven rounds of the draft but maybe you did if you're begging for some sort of live sports uh but the drafts again was a virtual draft it was the first of its kind um that we've seen, it was supposed to be in Vegas this year, where they had boats and uh, gondolas bringing players in after they were selected. But due to the coronavirus, obviously they decided to do a virtual draft, where you got a glimpse into everybody's homes and their estates, and and what certain coaches had, what other GMs had, what certain coaches didn't have. Uh, but that was a unique aspect, Sam. And I thought it kind of humanized this whole thing and saying, yeah, I mean, these coaches and GMs is, and, and even the commissioner, as we see them all the time, strutted out in their big fancy suits and everything, you know, they have a house just like me and you, it might be a little more fancy, but uh, you know, they're still human. And yes, Roger Goodell can apparently wear a t-shirt as we found out.
1: Yeah. And I, th- I thought it was interesting that some of the coaches and GMs had nicer basements at least from what we saw, than what Roger Goodell ha- has considering. He has a massive contract with the NFL, getting all this bonus and stuff. I thought it was interesting, like the uh, Mike Vrabels of the uh, setup and Cliff Kingsbury, their setups were massive. And I thought I thought it was impressive for being a head coach. Yeah, definitely definitely was. And,
0: and you know, you mentioned Cliff Kingsbury. What a beautiful setup he had, just chilling on his couch. Bill Belichick just cleared off the kitchen table after dinner uh, to do the draft, which is kind of what you expected out of Bill Belichick. Uh, But you mentioned the commissioner. I thought the commissioner's baseball was nice, Sam. I mean, that was just one little corner of his Mm, baseball. I mean, he didn't show you his two pool tables, indoor pool and hot tub that he probably has down there. Uh, But, you know, you just saw a little glimpse of of everybody's life, and it kind of humanizes the whole thing. Uh, I thought the virtual draft was phenomenal. I mean, Mm -hmm. from a pure just production aspect of it um, coming from the radio side of things in high school. I mean, I know how difficult it can be just to get a basketball game on the air, let alone, you know, 25 to 30 different houses. And and you have guys in the studio and the commissioner and and all the things you have to get in between draft picks. I thought they did a phenomenal job of of that. And I thought it looked great. There wasn't very many, you know, uh, technological hiccups um, throughout the draft. So I, I thought that overall, the draft was very, very enjoyable. Uh, it, it didn't have the, the nostalgia that the in-person draft has. where We have the fans out there going crazy, booing the commissioner um,
1: and, and things like that.
0: It didn't necessarily have those aspects to it. But for what they had to work with, I thought it was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I I think you hit on the head. I don't think there was any picks that went over the time. Everything went on as scheduled. But I thought the one thing that was kind of bad on ESPN's part is showing everybody's, I don't know if you noticed this, but everybody's struggles for, for one draft pick. It was his mother's drug addiction. Like, it seemed unnecessary. I get what they were going for to fill time and whatnot, but it just, it it was weird. Every Every draft pick had something to overcome. I just didn't like it. Right.
0: I, I agree with you. And and I was listening to a podcast today that mentioned that it was, it was like a stat, right? Like rushed for 20 touchdowns. Mom died in car crash at age eight. You know? So <laughs> it was like, it was like, it's almost a stat that they were evaluating them on. And, and yes, I mean, obviously having those traumatic events in your life can set you up for success and, and shape who you are today. But, I think ESPN spent a little too much time um, making sure that was a point. Right. Um, You know, you didn't see on there, dad uh, or, you know, dad has successful job or, Mm -hmm. or something like that. Right. You just saw all of, I don't want to say negativity, but you, you, they were trying to make a story out of it. Right. Oh, this kid from this small town gets drafted, you know, uh, his uncle is, is battling cancer or whatever. And yes, we love those feel good stories. And it is terrible that those people have to go through that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, let's not make a whole highlight reel out of it and let's just move on with the draft. Let's let these kids have their moment without, you know, maybe that memory being brought back up to them. And it doesn't
1: have to be every pick. Cause it seemed like every pick in the first round had some story. It could be just a few highlights. Like, the one dude, uh, when he was younger, saved somebody from dying. And that was impressive. But it, their father's uncle's grandson doesn't need to be mentioned in this draft. I think it's unnecessary. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying.
0: Right. Yeah. We love the feel-good stories. We, we love the feel-good stories. That's what ESPN really uh, thrives off of. But, again, I think they spent – I agree with you that They spent a little too much time on that. All right, enough with the draft. Uh, we have a loaded podcast today, and uh, we're excited to get into it. We'll start. Obviously, we're local here in Indianapolis, so we're going to talk about the Colts and what they did in the draft, what we liked, what we didn't like, and what still needs to be done. Uh, we'll start with the first uh, couple of picks coming in round two. Wide receiver Michael Pittman out of uh, uh, USC, and then uh, running back Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. Sam, we'll start with Pittman. Your takeaway from um
1: the Colts first selection. Um, great pick. First of all, he's got size. So that definitely helps. He got quickness and he did the Colts did what the Packers didn't do and give their quarterback a weapon, which I think is critical in giving Phillip Rivers that win now mentality. It just, it just helps the Colts tremendously.
0: I agree. And you saw T Higgins go right before him. So you knew uh, that the Colts were probably taking Pittman and they had been in in conversations with uh, Michael Pittman uh, several uh, you know weeks before the draft, so it was uh, a good draft pick there for the Colts. Uh, they did not trade back or trade up uh, for Jordan Love. There was rumors that they were trying to go up for Jordan Love. Uh, that is not the case. Uh, they did not. I, I think it was Chris Ballard who uh, kind of pushed those rumors to the side and 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 said, "No, we actually didn't." It turns out the Green Bay Packers really wanted Jordan Love, but that's a topic for the second half of the podcast. Um, but yeah, sticking with the Colts here, you know, Jonathan Taylor. I'll start with him. He's a good running back, and um, Marlon Mack is is quite honestly aging out. Um, you're going to get two or three more year good years of him, and then he's going to be done. So uh, you have to think for the future. And when when you when you talk about thinking for the future, this draft is like the epitome of that, right? You get a wide receiver. Why? Because, you, well, you needed it. One, T.Y. Hilton, he's getting old. I mean, as much as I hate, would hate to see him go in the next five years, that might happen. Your next best receiver is Zach Pascal, who came onto the c- scene uh, late last season due to injury. And, you know, Deion Kane didn't work out. And Paris Campbell's still developing. So you get Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack is aging out. Right. You, you only have you only have running backs in their prime until they're at least I mean, 32 is, is max. Um, so you, you get a running back to, to provide reinforcements there. And I think the one two punch with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor is going to be phenomenal to watch, especially behind the offensive line. The key to a good running game is a good offensive line. Saquon Barkley, his stats aren't the best, but guess who's stats are the running back for Kansas City. Why? Because they have a great offensive line. Um so
1: I I thought you know they
0: did a lot of a lot of planning for the future there in those first two picks.
1: Yeah, I thought Jonathan Taylor was a solid pick. The only concern I have is Wisconsin probably gave him about 500 carries a season. That's the only problem I have with it as long as the Colts don't just give him that starting workload off the bat. I think they just need to have a nice rotation of him, Wilkins maybe, Marlon Mack, etc. It would it's a it's a nice um skill position and I think it bodes well for just the offense in general right and you know you
0: give Philip Rivers another weapon to use as well and and I think uh that Colts fans should be excited for that pick because I think uh, Jonathan Taylor has definitely the ability to succeed uh very well uh moving on they went defense in round three Julian Blackman safety out of Utah uh he's pretty good and I I think it's going to be exciting to see him mold and form you know you got rid of Quincy Wilson and and throwing Julian Blackman in there I think is going to be a big help Sam
1: yeah and I think the reason they one of the reasons they drafted Julian Blackman is because the fifth year option for Malik Coker is coming up so if they aren't looking to keep him long-term Julian Blackman will be a nice long-term addition for that secondary for sure
0: and uh yeah it's going to be uh fun it's going to be interesting to see how that defensive secondary uh kind of plays out with uh you know you mentioned malik hooker now you have blackman in there george odom still in there quincy wilson goes to the jets uh quincy was your uh third corner you picked up xavier rhodes and uh it should be interesting so um you have kenny moore in there as well let's see what he can do this year um as well so Uh moving on the, uh, let's see the fourth round. You took a quarterback, Jacob Easton. And what Chris Ballard is is said before the draft, the draft is we're not forcing the quarterback situation. If the quarterback is, is there at the pick where we value him, then we will take him. If he's not, he's not. This brings up the whole Jordan love debate. If he was there at 30 or in the second round at 34, I believe it was would they have taken him. I don't know, but. They valued Jacob Eason as a fourth-round pick. He was there. They said, okay, let's take him, and if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, Eason, he's a gunslinger, and everybody loves a gunslinger. He loves to air the ball out. I don't know how it fits into the offense here. Uh, Chris Bauer has been very adamant in saying, you know, Jacoby Brissett's number two, Rivers is number one, Eason's got to fight with Chad Kelly for the third spot. Uh, this assumes the Colts will carry three quarterbacks all season long. I don't know what they'll do um, there, but Eason, a guy who's gonna, I mean, he's gonna have to fight to make the roster.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the Colts did a smart job, not forcing, as you mentioned that overpaying over valuing a quarterback. They just let everybody clear out with those four quarterbacks. You got your burrow Tua, Herbert and love and just sat back, let Eason fall to them in the fourth round didn't it's a it's a fourth round pick so it's not a whole bunch of value added to him if he say doesn't make the roster you took a chance on him didn't work out you just let him go and you potentially draft another person next uh next year so i think it's a solid pick for grist he didn't over overvalue jacob Eason. he didn't go get jordan love who might have been overvalued and it was a nice pick for what he got
0: Right, The value at the position in the draft is what stood out to me there. Um, You got him in a fourth-round pick, so it's not that big of a deal. Now, next up, my favorite pick of the draft, and I know it's probably your Mm -hmm. favorite pick too, Sam, the fifth-round Danny Pinter out of Ball State. Obviously, we're both Ball State students. We saw Danny Pinter play this year. He's very good. Um, He was a tight end when he came to Ball State. He gained weight. They said, okay, you're going to guard. And that's where you're going to play. He did. And he's done it very well. And Sam, I was, I was trying to think of player comps for him. And I want to say Quentin Nelson, just because not, I'm not necessarily maybe his plays like that, but he has that mentality of, I'm just going to run over you. And um, you know, that's my job. I'm going to run over you. I don't really care.
1: Yeah. And I think Danny Pinter plays with that chip on her shoulder, having, Gone, gone to Ball State, it's not exactly easy to get into the NFL, as we've seen really, Willie really is the only true notable player who's still in the NFL from the Ball State, so I think he just plays like Quinn Nelson with the mentality that every snap matters, he's got to play his hardest every day and I th- I'm i really excited to s- hopefully we get to see him play for the Colts this season, if not he'll just be a backup, but I I, I really enjoyed this pick and I thought this was the highlight of my draft here, Danny Pinter going to the Colts.
0: Yeah. I I think he's going to be a good addition. Um, He's going to go in there and they mentioned moving him inside to uh, the guard or he was a tackle at ball state. So they didn't mention moving him into guard or potentially playing center Um, just because of his size uh, right now is more of what you would see in a guard or a center. So he did play tackle at ball state, but uh, potentially moving into guard or center uh, at the, at the pro ranks, just because of what's available for the Colts there and, and where they need to fill. Um, in the sixth round, they went with a, a, tackle, defensive tackle, Robert Windsor out of Penn state. Again, these are, they picked four times in the sixth round. And these aren't, these aren't value, but these are maybe guys that are going to make the roster. Um, I mean, when you look at the depth chart now, a D tackle were, um, I mean, it, it's, it didn't hurt, uh, to get them. Um, I mean, he's the third nose tackle listed behind Grover Stewart and uh, Sheldon Day. So I would expect Windsor to go in and, and take Sheldon Day's spot and be a backup to Grover Stewart for next season. That's just what I see happening. Um, there's probably more value in, in Robert Windsor being a younger guy uh, in the draft. So I think that's where I see him going. Uh, you take a cornerback quarter, as well, Isaiah Rogers out of UMass, Sam. I know you've probably been doing some more deep diving on these picks than I have, but any uh, takeaways from these final uh, four picks for the Colts with uh, Windsor Rogers, uh, Desmond Patman, and Jordan Glasgow, all uh, defensive guys, except for Patman, uh, who's a wide receiver. Um,
1: I think I, I especially like Desmond Patman. You just get another lanky receiver who has also has a nice quickness to him. So you just give Phil Rivers another weapon. Another uh, whoever we have for the future, another weapon. It just bodes well, and not to mention, since we did get rid of one of our corners, we just added a nice piece in Isaiah Rogers, who is, I believe, a distant cousin of um, another corner, Dominique Rogers Camardi. So it's just all about building up this team, trying to win now. And I th- I think we had a solid draft considering our trades that we made, Trey Burton signing. Everything going into this draft was a solid day for the Colts.
0: It was. And uh, Mel Kiper handed out his draft grades, which I don't, I don't know. I I don't, I don't look too far into the draft grades because yeah, you can have a good draft, but. Who do you acquire in free agency? What injuries do you have in the offseason? Stuff like that. He gave them an A-. And uh, I, I thought that was very respectable. They got picks that they needed and also playing for the future at the same time. So uh, the Colts all, were not giving were not given any compensatory picks for the 2021 season, uh, the 2021 draft, that is. Uh, they did make four in-draft trades. One was up to get Danny Pinter and two was down. Uh, one of those uh, going down involved Quincy Wilson. Um, but they did not uh, get an extra pick for the 2021 draft. They, as of right now, have seven picks for 2021. Um, and uh, they hope that they will be drafting much later than they did in 2020 in, in you know the uh, the first round, that is. So the Colts, and you might add a draft pick in there to force Buckner too because uh you got him pretty much at 13 i like his value he's going to be good you know chris boward has said several times that we're going to build in the trenches and that's what he's done so i think it's going to be exciting to watch Sam. I, and
1: i think uh knowing chris boward will probably have more than seven picks by the end of next year's draft And uh, yeah i think to a force buckner for just a for one first round pick is a def, is a solid pick when you got an established veteran instead of really having to develop a young raw prospect is definitely great value for him.
0: All right. That wraps up our segment about the Colts. We'll come right back and we'll be talking about the NFL as a whole, mainly the first round selections for a couple teams, the controversial picks that were made and where we see some of the worst teams in the league from last year, lining up coming up in the season with their new draft picks that all and more coming up next on straight up sports talk all right welcome back to the straight up sports talk podcast coming to you live again um and we're back with the second segment talking about the NFL as kind of a big hole in, in some of the draft picks that were made uh, by by the teams that really needed a good draft. And um, We'll start with the number one pick overall here, Sam. The Cincinnati Bengals taking Joe Burrow. No question there um, for that pick. Now, um, Andy Dalton's still on the roster. Uh, do you see the Bengals going away from Dalton, keeping Dalton on? I think this whole virtual offseason thing is going to play a role into that, too.
1: Yeah, I think because Joe Burrow's not going to have a long time to develop with any wide receivers like A.J. Green, he's not going to have much familiarity with uh, the facilities and whatnot. Maybe they could just keep Andy Dalton on as sort of a just Alex Smith type role. He plays for a couple of games, and then once Joe Burrow gets familiar, he gets kind of uh, put pushed into the starting role.
0: I think, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see big things from Joe Burrow and, uh, don't be surprised, you know, the Bengals, I, I think they're a solid six win team and, and that's a compliment, um, because now, now's the time to go. If you're Cincinnati, you have Joe Burrow on a rookie deal. So you've got, uh, four years with a fifth year option to build that team up and, at the cost of not a lot to your quarterback. And then once it's time for the quarterback to be paid, then you run into some issues. So, I mean, don't be surprised if you see, you know, over the next few years, the Bengals, you know, they're moving into win now mode after next year with the draft and both in free agency. So uh, the Bengals get uh, Joe Burrow there. The next quarterback to go is to a Loa, number six, overall to the Miami dolphins. Now, Sam, are you? I'm not. I'm not surprised that the Dolphins took Tua. Uh, it has been talked about. They tanked for Tua and, not, and ended up working out. It and ended up coming true. I honestly wasn't sure if the tank for Tua was going to be an actual thing, um, because they kept talking about Justin Herbert. Oh, we got to trade up to get Joe Burrow. They ended up going with Tua here. Uh, the, the injuries. How much do they concern you, Sam? I mean, how much is it a concern to you of? Of Tua's injuries.
1: I mean, I've I've heard conflicting reports. Some people say it's a big deal. Some people say it's nothing. He'll be fine. I'm just worried about just that offensive line protecting him enough to where he's not getting hits over and over because these are big dudes, big men who are trying to fight paycheck to paycheck who aren't going to be nice to Tua and knowing his injury histories, he's had many surgeries. It's Kind of concerning when you look at the off the offensive line that the Dolphins have. It's not the best, so you're putting him in a situation where he can just um, where he has a higher risk of uh, re-injuring himself.
0: They've been talk of a medical redshirt kind of thing where you sit him out for the first year, let him learn behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, and turn him loose after that. I could see that happening, uh, but I could also see the Dolphins start um two and six and then they say okay you're in and just play him out for the rest of the season and see what he can do testing the waters Mm -hmm. uh you have the chargers taking um justin herbert and not really a surprise but i don't think you're going to see justin herbert next year i think it's going to be tyrod taylor um at least for the first half of the season and I don't really see Justin Herbert getting a significant amount of minutes. Actually. Yeah, I
1: agree. I think the GM has come out in defensive Tyrod Taylor. Players have said they enjoy Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback. I, th- I think you're right. I think he's just going to be sitting behind Tyrod Taylor, waiting for his opportunity whenever that may be.
0: And now for the most controversial <laughs> draft pick of the draft, coming in the first round, the Packers trade up. And who do they take? Oh, maybe they're trading up to get a wide receiver because uh, that's what Aaron Rodgers needs to succeed. And we are one game away from being a Super Bowl uh, team. No, uh, we're actually taking um, we're actually taking Jordan Love. So they take Jordan Love. It's very controversial. Not just because yes they they're planning for the future, but it's not time to plan for the future. Uh, taking Jordan love, I mean, his rookie contract is going to be up before Aaron Rodgers contract is up or they're up at the same time or something. So you're not even going to have him on that rookie deal for, uh, I mean, you're not even going to have him in the starting lineup on his rookie deal for. A couple of years,
1: at least. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers, as you mentioned, has four years left on his contract. Aaron Rodgers hasn't mentioned anything about retiring anytime soon, hasn't mentioned anything about leaving. But, Grant, I just had this, I've seen many people that think Aaron Rodgers should request a trade. Do you think Aaron Rodgers, it's in his best interest to uh, request a trade?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so, and here's why, because I think the Packers are still invested in Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they're giving up on him. Now, trading up to get a quarterback certainly may give the hints of that, but I think that the Packers are are, are, are full steam ahead with Aaron Rodgers. Now, why did they take Jordan Love right there? I don't know. See, that's the thing, is I want to say, oh, they're still invested in, in Aaron Rodgers, but can't I really say that if they if they take up to get Jordan Love. So I don't think he should request a trade. No, I don't think so. I think he should stay put. Let's see how this year plays out. If they're just if they just don't get him any weapons, if they just don't give him any, you know, things to make them get over the hump of of beating the 49ers, and their offense wasn't the problem. It was their defense. They 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 couldn't stop the 49ers. So if they don't you know, make it at least an attempt to get better, then yes, I would. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am upset. I mean, there was 36 receivers taken in this draft. That's a record. Record tying. And the Packers didn't take a single one. Um they have Lazard, Devin Funches, and a list of receivers that I've never even heard of. So yes, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am upset um, and yeah obviously you have Devontae Adams but if I'm Aaron Rodgers I'm upset but again I'm not giving up hope just yet I'm sticking out at, at least another year and then we'll evaluate maybe a, a team approaches Green Bay for a trade but the thing is Jordan Law is not going to be ready I mean he's going to need to sit for at least a year before yeah he's ready. and I
1: think it's funny that two linebackers right after which the Packers desperately needed they got killed on the ground game against the 49ers in that NFC Championship game and they didn't take him. No team behind in front of them seemed to be seemed to be in a spot to want to take Jordan Love. I thought it was questionable all the way down. And not to take a single wide receiver in this draft when you just reach the NFC Championship game, which it seemed Aaron Rodgers desperately needed last season at times. It's just it's just confusing definitely is and you know
0: you're in win now mode right i mean it's it's crazy to to, to have as bad as a draft as the packers did um and, and maybe maybe jordan love works out and that's great but the pick at the time does not make any sense um the 49ers continue to bolster their um, bolster their team in the draft as well even with a loss of uh, buckner and staley they went out they traded for trent williams um they had brandon i um as a, a receiver as well they they got better um the ravens got better with jk dobbins sam do you like that pick um it seems like the ravens are, are just kind of they're like oh, we're gonna run and gun and 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 we don't really care what you guys think. Uh, this seems kind of be the M.O. of, of the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, you Ravens,
1: just give the Ravens another offensive weapon. I think it could have been possible that they drafted a, a wide receiver instead that early because you still had Justin Jefferson that early. You still had who the Colts took. So I think that would have helped a um, – Held to more short-term for the Ravens, but Mark Ingram's getting only older. J.K. Dobbins is a nice, younger placement for him. I think he fits well into that offense to where they have a nice one-two punch like Mark Ingram did last year with Gus Edwards.
0: Any more surprises to you in the draft, Sam, or any more teams that you saw that that did well in the draft? I think
1: a team that did well was the Jaguars. First of all, you... The t- the players they trade like Jalen Ramsey, like the um, like they're trying to trade in Gakway. They replaced in the draft. They got Clavon Chase in the first round. They got the uh, C.J. Henderson, who some people said was even better than Akuda. We'll have to see. But I think the Jaguars did a nice job of just fi- filling the holes on defense that they had to trade away. All
0: right, that that that. I agree with you there, but I think that the Jaguars are in tank mode. I think they're going to tank this year. That's what I think. I think, I mean, you have Gardner Minshew, but I think they're tanking this year, Sam. I honestly do. And I think they're going to get a, a, a quarterback in next year's draft. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you there um, with, with a couple of what you said about the Jaguars, their picks, but again, I think they're kind of in, in tank mode um, with that. I thought the Cowboys had a good draft yet. C.D. Lamb which was a quality pick um, with them right there. So uh, overall um, it seemed like we were sitting there and like, Oh, that's a good pick. That's a good pick until we got to the Packers. Um, And honestly, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see how these picks turn out and you, we can sit here and hand out grades all day long, but, you know, until they're put into motion, until you figure out what they do with the rest of free agency and everything like that, you really don't know. And uh, that's the exciting part about the NFL. So the virtual offseason program will will continue. And then hopefully I have training camp in July. That's the thing I worry about with rookie quarterbacks is, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, might show up for the first preseason game and meet his receivers for the first time. You know what I'm saying? So I think it, it, it could be hard. Uh, to do this virtual off season, But apparently Joe Burrow's been studying the, the Bengals playbook for several weeks, and he, and he knows it uh, very well, which is what a good quarterback does. I mean, if, if you're told by, by the Bengals, hey, we're drafting you, then uh, you start preparing right there. Yeah,
1: I, I think you mentioned I think the Bengals did a nice job of kind of uh, giving, T, giving Joe Burrow T. Higgins, which is key if A.J. Green decides to stay around, that's key. They drafted an offensive tackle for him. I think the Bengals did a kind of decent job of doing just kind of surrounding Joe Burrow with the with a decent amount of pieces for him to succeed.
0: The Browns also had a good draft. The last team I want to talk about here. Uh, they got some weapons uh, for Baker Mayfield. They they got a right tackle and Jack uh, Conklin and Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper. Those are both in free agency, not in the draft. Uh, and in the, the tenth pick, they picked up another tackle in Jedrick Wills Jr. Uh, they also drafted a tight end, Harrison Bryant. Um, so they're trying to get offensive weapons, and you know maybe the Browns can get their act together and, and, and win more games than they did last year. Now I, I hope
1: up. so. I, I think the Browns are having a problem of they're going after too many flashy people. There's only so many so many studs on a team that I can get a ball at a time. I think that's the issue. With the Browns last season, they had Odell, Jarvis, Nick Chubb, Baker. They just had weapons. Kareem Hunt. They just had too many weapons to give the ball to, and they couldn't figure out how to give, how to make the offense work.
0: All right. Um, last thing before we go here, Sam, I'm going to give you the quarterbacks draft, and you tell me which ones we see Week One in the NFL on the starting field. So, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Tua Tagovailoa, and Jordan Love of those four. And we'll, we'll throw in uh, – well, no, we're not, we, won't, we won't throw in uh, Jalen Hurts. But we'll leave it with those four. Uh, which one of those four – or how many of those four are starting week one? Can you repeat
1: season? that you were cutting out when you were saying
0: – So so just the, the,
1: the first-round quarterbacks taken. So
0: Herbert uh, – or Burrow. Uh, Tua, Herbert, and Jordan Love. Of those, how many of those four are starting week well, one? Well,
1: I think we can definitely say Jordan Love's ruled out. I think we can say, ooh, so you got, I, I think Tua can have a solid, I think Tua's is probably the, Tua and Joe are the only two I can say confidently that they're probably starting week one.
0: I agree. I, I think Tua, I don't know. I, I, I haven't decided on two. I know I said earlier that I don't think he will, but I still I'm kind of up in the air. I think he could. I think Joe Burrow definitely will, just because you're trying to get fans in the stands in Cincinnati. Justin Herbert has a chance, but not a big one. They're kind of invested in Tyrod Taylor.
1: He'll get Tyrod will get another crack at the starting job. So
0: we'll just have to see how it plays out. All right, Sam, any final closing thoughts? for the um,
1: uh, Not really. I'm just really excited that Danny Pinter got got drafted to a team and to the Colts nonetheless. So hopefully I'll get to see him this season. Exactly.
0: All right, if you're still listening, we thank you so much. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Grant underscore Kobe. He's at Sam underscore Thillman. We'll be back next week with a new edition of the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast, uh, probably talking more NFL and, and what the uh, – what other teams need to continue to do in uh, this offseason to be prepared for the season. So with that, we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you. Next-